The information provided on the Finesse Your Money podcast is not intended to constitute legal, business, financial or other professional or product advice. It is provided as general information only and is not intended as a substitute for personal advice from a qualified and licensed professional who is familiar with the facts of your particular circumstances. Ever asked yourself where your money is going? It's a common problem for businesses and people personally. Is it dumb luck to be successful with money? Or is it the smartest and most successful businesses and people that plan and understand the value and purpose of money across generations? Is your money out of control or needing some finessing? In the third season of Finesse Your Money, the theme is more than money. We're talking all things money with our inspirational guests but we go beyond that to explore creating a legacy beyond wealth, success and stewardship among families, the energy and purpose of money, well-being and wealth, relationships and money, connection, being intentional and values. Listen in to hear some excellent tips from our guests and set yourself up for a bright, happy future with a stronger sense of purpose around money. Get ready to be inspired. I'm Janine Wilson, the host of Finesse Your Money. I've been a financial advisor for 10 years and an accountant beforehand for, well, many more years. I'm the founder of Finesse Financial Advisors. Hi, you're listening to Finesse Your Money. I'm Janine Wilson. Welcome to today's roundtable discussion, our first on Finesse Your Money. The theme this season is more than money. And today I'm speaking with two awesome financial planners. My guests are Dominique Shu and Helena Roach. Let me introduce you firstly to Dominique. Dom runs a non-aligned financial planning business based in Gympie and the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and has been a financial advisor for about 10 years. Dom specialises in working with small business owners, including those in rural communities, as well as people wanting to be intentional about their retirement. Dom has told me that she feels very fortunate to live on the Sunshine Coast, causes me a great deal of envy, Dom. <laughs> when she's not at work, mostly you'll find her out in the national parks, either on foot or on a mountain bike. And when it comes to business, though, Dom really loves what she does, particularly being able to make a real difference in the lives of families whose finances she looks after. Now let me introduce you to Helena. She's the owner and family wealth advisor at Your Family CFO, a boutique financial planning business in Mount Eliza on Victoria's beautiful Mornington Peninsula. Helena works with busy professionals who need their own chief financial officer to focus on their personal finances. Helena says this allows her clients to focus on progressing their own careers and enjoying quality time with their families. Helena will tell you she loves working with her clients to sort out their financial affairs. She knows that there's nothing better than ticking off something that has been on sitting on the to-do list for a long time. And sometimes it's simply a matter of not having enough time to look after your own financial affairs. Or you might be not knowing what to do or where to get professional advice. So welcome to you both. It's great to share this time with you and our listeners will certainly get a lot out of today's roundtable discussion. Welcome. Thanks, Janine. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's dive in. So tell us more about your business and what excites you. We might start with you, Dom. Sure. So the financial planning business that I run is based in um, both Gympie and Noosa in Queensland. And we work quite closely with an accounting firm as well that my dad's run for well over 40 years now. I probably have shown too much of his age by explaining that, but there you go. So we do work quite closely with business owners and 
retirees and uh, and also a lot of rural families as well who have got some significant farming interests. So I love working with that client mix. It's quite a broad client mix and I really enjoy being part of their journey and, and helping them accumulate wealth where we can. I also really quite like being part of the progress and seeing the progress that people can make over time, whether that's in accumulating wealth or or just living a really good retirement and, and doing it in the way that they'd like to do it. So that's what excites me about it. And I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, for me, it's what happens around the margins or between the lines, you know, that helps people and adds so much more value. It's, you know, giving them peace of mind so they can live their best life, have a bright, happy future, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. So, Helena, for you, what excites you about the business and, and what you're doing? Yeah, so I suppose, I mean, as we all do, I mean, I'm a, a financial planner and help people with their insurances and their super and their retirement planning, that type of thing, estate planning. But to me, the, the most important part of the whole process is sitting down with them and unpacking what their goals are. So, you know, really spending that time, you know, because the rest of it naturally follows, but to understand what they're looking for now, what they're looking for in a few years and what they're looking for, you know, in that longer term sort of horizon. And once we've, once we've uncovered those goals, which some people come to you, you know, saying I have this one particular goal, but there's always more than one. You know, once you sort of help to unpick those, it's them working out what strategies we have to put in place to achieve. And then what really excites me then is being on that journey with the client and so actually helping them, you know, to achieve those goals and being there as those milestones occur. You know, there's nothing nicer than when, you know, you, you speak to a client and they say, yep, that was my last day at work. I'm now officially retired or I picked up my first board position or, you know, and, and actually being part of that journey because it doesn't stop once we pick the goals. We've sort of obviously got to work towards them and I think you you know you're right there it's it's really interesting I think sometimes to some extent people still don't necessarily understand financial advice and financial planning and what's involved and then it really is a process to go through and really unpack you know where you are today where you want to be you know what you don't know <laughs> is often more important than what you do know and if you find out you don't know it will fight you know then learning about it so you're able to make really good informed decisions about your future yep. and so you know that said in business and life how important is it to be open-minded to new ideas and ways of doing things because I often find people come to me and you know this is a bit of a story five years ago I, I'm sure you would have experienced this as well every well probably nine people out of ten coming to a financial advisor were saying I was at a barbecue on the weekend and I you know somebody was telling me how great an SMS is and they've bought a property in there and they borrowed money and da 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 and it's like so many people come with a set idea how important is it for you to get to know them and, and, and be open-minded about, you know, what the future looks like for them? Yeah, so I think in my case, it's certainly very important to be open to new things and to keep an ear to the ground as to what's happening. That being said, I think a lot of us do probably our best decision-making when we're quite clear on on what our values are and what our focus is and, and really where we're trying to go and keep that at the very forefront of our decision-making rather than just hopping on whatever the, the latest shiny trend happens to be. And, you know, certainly in our game, as you said, a lot, a lot of things have been and gone. <laughs> Some of those bright, shiny things that were all the rage five years ago actually aren't around anymore. So 
Um, a tried and tested approach is probably also worth considering really for a lot of people. I would comment on that as well. Mm. Helena, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I suppose I look at it from a slightly different perspective uh, or I am right now coming from Melbourne based in stage four COVID restrictions and having pretty much not left the house for what feels like you know four or five months and it's looking at new ways of doing things I mean I've always tried to run a paperless office as much as I can but I've had a lot of clients that have always wanted to receive advice in physical paper copy mm. and obviously not being able to meet with anyone face to face at the moment you know, it's been a lot easier to deliver advice to people and in a much more timely manner because you can organise a Zoom meeting, you can send through the advice, you can share your screen. Um, you know, so I'm finding that it's actually really helping with the actual advice delivery and, and conversations with clients. Also, when someone has just a really quick question that perhaps they might previously have sent an email or, you know, made a quick phone call, people seem to be a lot more open now to using video technology. And so I'm finding that I feel like I'm almost seeing clients, albeit not in the flesh, I'm actually seeing clients more. So you might just have a, a 10, 15 minute FaceTime, you know, or conversation over Zoom about a quick thing that was concerning them and you can easily address it in person. So I think, you know, there's new ways of sort of evolving to, to what's happening, you know, around the country, but primarily in Melbourne. I think that's an interesting observation, Helena, because for me as well, I've noticed that, you know, I, I don't jump on the phone anymore. I jump on a Zoom call for, you know, five or 10 or 15 minutes and it's much more, you know, much nicer. I don't know why we weren't using FaceTime sooner because it, it just feels so much more personal and we're in a, a people business. You know, a human connection is really important. Um, you know, for me, you know, deeply knowing and understanding my clients is just crucial to, to be able to support them in everything they need. And, you know, that's where that big you know more than money comes in you know so as I said the theme of the season is more than money so what does that mean to you and how does that translate to the work that you do with your clients Helena? Well I suppose for me it's about you know again when you're unpicking things with the client at the start it's about understanding what motivates them and it might be going back to the simple things about you know why they work and a lot of people will sit there and say it is literally because I get a good salary package or but really often it's about you know the recognition for their success in their careers or you know the social connection which a lot of us are missing right now that sort of thing but then once you sort of unpicked why they choose to work and, and to work in the manner that they do it's about well what do they want their money for and, you know, really trying to, to understand it might be better work-life balance. It might be to spend more time with their families. It could be to follow philanthropic ideas. But, you know, there's, there's so much more to your money than just the physical notes or the, you know, the dollar in your bank balance. And Dom? Yeah, well, I think a lot of us intuitively know that uh, there's probably more to life than, than money, but it's the choices that the money gives you around what you might do with your life and how you conduct yourself and the options that you have along the way that that's really where the money part of it comes into it so it's important it's not the whole story but it is an important part of it so that's probably what comes to mind for me for for your question around uh 
more to life than money? Well, for me, I mean, working with my clients, I'm not sure that you're aware that I often work with people going through a divorce or separation, you know, maybe partner passed away or something like that, or even a redundancy, things that might cause a bit of trauma and grief. And for me, you know, in that context, more than money means getting those people in front of the people that they need to see. I mean, if they need to get some help to move forward past their grief, then, you know, getting them in touch with, you know, good people who can help them with that. And so, you know, I always sort of view that as this whole, you know, allied area around what it is that we do, um, having relationships with people in other other fields of, you know, and professional fields that I can refer on to so that there's no amount of time that you can tell somebody, you know, oh, well, you've just gone through a big traumatic life event. In 12 months' time, you'll be over that. You know, grief lasts as long as it lasts. And, you know, sometimes for people to move on with their life, they need to, you know, deal with that sooner rather than later. And, you know, certainly even around money itself, I mean, we all have certain behaviours around money or biases around investing and so on. And so it's really important to be able to, you know, break down those things. You know, I can't tell you how often people, you know, we talked earlier about bright, shiny objects, fear of missing out, what drives people to do what they do. It all plays into this whole notion of having a financial plan. I often tell my clients there's no point in having a financial plan if if you can't stick to it <laughs> very true <laughs> if, you, if you're not a saver let's not let's let's work on you becoming one before we start building a plan around yeah. it so, <laughs> so helping clients to build a blueprint for their future you know which obviously includes money is what excites me about my work so tell us what excites you about working with your clients and what people get out of the planning process mm. yeah so look i i really am lucky enough to be genuinely interested in in the clients that I work with. We really get quite a broad range of people that cross our desk, probably being a, in a bit more of a regional area, perhaps that adds to it. So there's a lot of variation there, but we do work a lot with business owners as well. And some of the work that I really, really enjoy doing with them is seeing how we might structure a plan to help them build wealth outside of their business, depending on what their particular business happens to be. And that process probably just gives them a bit more flexibility and options in the years ahead. So, for example, not everyone will have a business that might have a big value attached to it at the end um, and where they would have something to sell. So for those types of people, it's really about trying to strategically accumulate wealth outside of the business over a period of time just so that they do have a different set of options available to them when they decide that they don't want to do it anymore. So... I enjoy working a lot with those types of clients and everyone's different. So it certainly keeps it interesting from my point of view. But then again, I, I also really enjoy getting to see the intergenerational wealth transfer that we can do with our clients over a long period of time. And, and it's just nice to know that the decisions that you help people make really will have a big impact, not just on them, but on their kids and in many cases, their grandkids as well. I get a real buzz from doing that. And then lastly, uh, not necessarily client related, but I do, I enjoy working with our team. We've got a, a, a team of people here in, in the business, in, in this business, and it's really nice to see their journey unfold as well and watch them grow over time too. So lots of positives from my end. I think it's really the human aspects and, and you mentioned business owners. I, I have a, a select group of clients that are business owners as well and you're absolutely right and I don't, couldn't agree with you more that many times I mean, business owners, they've, 
potentially either bought a job or they've bought a business, but they invest so much into the business that come retirement time, they're ready to retire, but they, you know, they, they've not really enjoyed, you know, the benefits of having that business along the way. They haven't got the money out of their business into their own hands. And then if the valuations, I mean, think about financial planning businesses five years ago, they were worth a lot more than they are today. Um, and so, you know, many of our cohort would find themselves in that position where the valuations just aren't there when the time comes. So, you know, helping people, you know, plan and, and, and I always think that, you know, your pre-retirement planning or your, your succession planning to exit a business really does take a good five years, you know, to get the best outcome. Um, so, Helena, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I think for me in the current business that I'm working in, I've really sort of found a, a passion for sort of working with clients in their 40s and 50s that have just been really too busy either with family or professionally to pay attention to their their finances that it's just you know sort of in that too hard basket I'll get to it when I get to it but you know when they get home from work they're tired they're you know everything else sort of takes over and so they never quite get there so I've really been enjoying you know sort of almost doing sort of six to 12 month pieces of work with you know couples to try and just get everything back under control give them a plan that they can probably even implement themselves for, you know, a, a couple of years and then pick up back with me at a later point. But, you know, to address some of the things like if something happened to them, who would look after their kids, you know, who would be the guardian of their kids and, you know, making sure they've done their wills, which, you know, often people don't want to because, you know, it's a negative, it, it kind of, you know, it brings up negative emotions. So really just trying to, tidy things up for them tighten it and just say well you know when you get the correspondence come in or when your annual super statement comes in flick it off to me I'll you know pull it apart and have a look at it and come back to you and tell you if there's anything that you need to do just to make life a little bit easier for them in one area so that they can do everything else you know it's yeah I've I think that's an area of the market that in my previous role you know I used to notice was quite underserved Whereas, you know, I think being in that market now or in that age group and, you know, with a busy family, I can see the benefit of sort of being able to help people there. Mm. And to your point, Helena, I mean, many people, you know, clients tell me that they want peace of mind. And, you know, that means to me exactly what you said, really just wanting control around their money, know, knowing what direction they're heading in and having the confidence that things are sorted and that they can get where they want to be because, you know, they, they've, they've got one eye on the road in front of them and one eye, you know, looking behind at the kids in the back and, you know, yeah. all, all that sort of thing, the, you know, the usual stuff that busy professionals are going through. So what does peace of mind mean to you and from your experience, Dom, what does that mean? Yeah, so in my experience, most people seem to want to, to have the option to do a few fundamental things along the way. So that, in, in, in general terms, those, those are things like paying off the house, educating their kids, living comfortably themselves now, and then leaving a bit to the next generation. It's probably, in a nutshell, a lot of people would fall into that kind of category. So the peace of mind aspect of it really comes in when the worry about achieving all of those things is removed and when people can spend quite comfortably at a lifestyle level at the moment without having to worry about it. That's really what peace of mind 
would mean to me and and um, and what I see in our clients. So I think, you know, when you were speaking then it occurred to me that, you know, peace of mind, I think that is as well that they've got a, you know, a, a really strong relationship with their advisor and their advice team if they have a team around them and that they know that things are, are under control, as I said, but also that, you know, it doesn't eliminate the need for those checks and balances because no. <laughs> things can go wrong. Um, so, you know, don't be foolhardy. You do still need to check yeah. in. But, um, you know, just knowing that there's that comfort there that you, you've got people around you that you can place your trust in, which means it's freeing up your time to focus on your career, for example. Helena, you mentioned that. So what do you think peace of mind means to, to your clients? Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, to me also, it's the old sleep at night test. So it is really, you know, clients being able to go to bed every night and not wake up in the night wondering about, you know, am I invested appropriately? Am I going to lose all my money on the US stock market overnight? You know, how am I going to pay the bills next week? You know, it's it's really just being comfortable and, and you know, content that everything is taken care of um, behind the scenes. So that leads me to my next question, which is what are three common mistakes you see people make with their finances? Helena. I think one is living for now. So is not putting away what Don was talking about before, the, the money for later on, but it's literally it's just spending and enjoying life now. And part of that is also not not knowing so sort of the second thing would be not really understanding that your your income is your you know your number one asset so not only do you need to insure it because if you can't work you know you, you won't have any money coming in but also that we we often all hit a, a ceiling whereby we've kind of hit our income cap and you know for a lot of men and women that's you know in their 40s and 50s and after that, you know, you've either got what you've got or you, you might start earning less. And so really trying to do what they can with their income while they're in that peak earnings potential. Mm-hmm. And then probably the other thing, which probably nine out of 10 clients do, is really not paying attention to their super. So just being in a default super investment option because, you know, super something I don't need to worry about right now. Um, and that could cost them a lot of money over, you know, the their whole working career by just turning a blind eye to it. You're right. Um, as you were talking, then I was thinking about I'm always hearing myself tell people, you know, anyone can be a millionaire. You just have to start doing the work early, put away small amounts that you can afford and, you know, in the fullness of time and compounding, voila, there's the million dollars. <laughs> so, you know, it's just about being smart and, you know, that sort of always comes back to discipline. And so, so Dom, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I certainly tend to agree. And I think probably one of the biggest regrets I would see that clients come to me with is that they didn't start sooner. I've never had anyone regret how much they have in superannuation or be sorry about how much they have in superannuation by the time they can access it they always just wish that they had more so that's achievable if you just get off the mark a bit more quickly the other thing would be that not that many people I think have a really firm grip on what their spending is so that there can be a lot of leakage and if that happens over a long period of time well you've got the compounding effect happening but it's just compounding with what's going out the door Um, So there's that and then I guess the third point on that would probably be that I do see people have issues if they're not well diversified. They haven't kind of either had some advice or put a lot of thought into where their assets are sitting. So if you only invest in one or two types of assets then you can do really, really well. 
when things are, are going well. But by the same token, if you happen to have a bad period with that particular type of investment, then, you know, you'll certainly feel it. So those are some of the mistakes that I see people making over time. And, and you know, again, I come back to five years ago, you know, property was the buzzword, I yeah. guess. But it's so few people that can actually have a truly diversified property portfolio, you know, of direct property. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and that, that brings with it a lot of risk. And, you know, probably 10 years ago, you know, I was probably of the view that it was okay to have 10 or 20 Australian shares in your portfolio and a few offshore big names that you knew. But my view of that is so different today. Yeah than it was back then and it's to, to the point about diversification you know if you've got one one company in your share portfolio and it goes bad well bad luck yeah, for sure <laughs> um, but if you've got three thousand or six thousand or even three hundred you've still got two hundred and ninety nine <laughs> two thousand nine hundred and ninety nine etc you know still there working day in day out trying to do you know a great job and and you know get you a return on your investment oh, absolutely so when it comes to financial planning how important is it to not have links and ties to product distribution channels like the, the big the big banks and insurance companies and things so you know what what are your thoughts on that helena yeah i, th I think it's fundamentally important it just takes away any act true conflict or even perceived um conflict of interest that might be there and not to say that all of the aligned dealer groups or you know bank owned planners do the wrong thing by clients but i think if you don't have that um that link it just frees you to make the right choices on behalf of clients i've got a number of clients that have come to me that are in quality industry funds you know they work in particular sectors and and they've you know been in these funds for a very long time not being owned by any institution you know frees me to potentially say to the client where it's in their interests you know keep that and let's you know do a separate investment portfolio outside of superannuation on the side without anyone leaning over me sort of saying oh no 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 you need to roll that over into our product or you need to invest it this particular way a few years ago when there were some changes to super and clients that had, you know, more than 1.6 million in their pension accounts, you know, we're having, I was having a lot of conversations with people at that point about, well, what do we do with the excess? And, you know, I was able to say to a few clients, well, why don't we take it out and go and buy an investment property? you know, a holiday home, you know, more lifestyle investment property, you know, your fees, your products, you're not tied to those. So you can actually do something that you know will will be in the best interest of the client. And that's what it's about, isn't it, Don? No, absolutely. I mean, it's when you're not tied to someone, it just means that you really can give unbiased advice. And I think it also gives us the flexibility to know that, well, we can keep looking for options that um, might be better as they come along. That being said, we as you would as well, we've got our preferred types of investments that we use, but that's really based on evidence in history rather than any particular kickback that we're getting from them. So, yeah, I think it's it's vitally important not to be tied to a big institution for this sort of thing. And, and as Helena pointed out, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, working with advisors in those institutions, but you need to understand, you know, what you're buying into. And so will you be offered more of their products or not? And, you know, the, the reverse can be said. I, I worked for one of the big companies a few years ago myself and, and they had a policy of not offering their investment. And I thought, well, that was rather strange because 
because if you're the best of breed investment, why wouldn't you offer it? Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess the point here is for our listeners that it's really important to, to, you know, to select who you're working with very carefully when it comes to your financial advisors and your advice team to really know what it is that you're buying into. And I think what we're saying is, you know, look for people who are looking at it from a, you know, what's the right strategy, what's the right structure, and then what is a solution rather than the other way around. So what are you doing to help clients and their families to make well-informed decisions, Helena? To me, it's really about trying to simplify the complicated, to distill things down to something that, you know, the average person will understand. The financial world that we're operating in now has become overly complicated and it doesn't need to be. And so if we can educate people, you know, just in the the absolute basics that are relevant to them and to them only, then you get them a lot more engaged with what they're doing and then they feel a lot more informed about the decisions that they make. And for you, Dom, what what are your thoughts on? Yeah, we educate a lot um, and work really quite hard to lay out the pros and cons to people and be quite upfront about that for the different options that they've got. The other thing we try to be really frank about is that we wouldn't make any recommendation or we won't make any recommendation to them that we wouldn't be prepared to make ourselves or to give ourselves or our our own family members if we were in the same situation. So it's that kind of approach that we certainly try very hard to take with with the decision making for clients you know the process that i go through as well is heavily focused on identifying any gaps in people's knowledge and understanding and really helping them to improve their financial literacy it's just so important and you know it's it's important enough to me that one of the giving i do through my business is giving back to literacy programs for aboriginal communities so that's you know that really is something that i feel great about doing and you know when i'm talking to particularly women i find that you know are really great at you know that day-to-day managing the household budget you know day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month year-to-year but it's not necessarily that they've ever been particularly involved in investing for example and so they do need a lot of education and information and support around making those decisions because there's nothing worse than someone you know losing sleep at night I guess exactly but they can be very good uh very good investors once they are educated absolutely absolutely Um, and they and they more often than not do do better because they they listen and and you know they're they're a bit more conservative and so they're you know they're they're not trying to shoot out the lights (laughs) jumping around from investment to investment Um, they're just you know looking for something that's going to give them that long-term you know income stream or growth or whatever it is those um that they're looking for and you know making sure that they they you know they're comfortable that they're going to get the outcome they want so sort of changing gears a little bit now um is wealth a barrier or an enabler to a meaningful purposeful life i mean helena you're working with lots of high net wealth clients and dom you know i'm assuming in rural communities there's a lot of people who are living on the land with you know g- you know generation to generation so helena what are your thoughts on that is is it a barrier no definitely not i, I would say it's an enabler as long as it's used well and with purpose and what we were saying before with education um i think money and wealth can help you to support other communities so you know literacy programs those sorts of things um, charitable ventures it can also help you to educate your family and your yourself to to travel to see the world 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely think wealth is an enabler as long as it's used well. And don't. Oh, I totally agree. And while money won't make you happy, it will certainly give you choices that you might not otherwise have. And sometimes those choices can make you really happy or certainly allow you to live a, a more meaningful life and, and with a bit more purpose in the in the direction that you'd like to go. And certainly um, some families I worked with a few years ago, you know, they were very wealthy families, but they had their young people coming through and they were working on identifying who might be the successors of that family wealth and the, you know, the stewards of taking that money forward. And so what does stewardship mean to you and how do you create that in families to make sure that that, you know, intergenerational wealth is retained rather than lost? I think, you know, there's an adage that says the first generation maybe aspire to it and the second generation earn it and the third and fourth, you know, lose it, <laughs> blow it. Yes, and I think the statistics on that is uh, completely alarming when you get into it. But I guess the idea of stewardship for me is probably to recognise that our clients and, and with our help, can they're really caretakers of it for a period of time um, and money flows in and out of families for different, a whole, a whole range of reasons but it's what they do with it while it's in their care that will give that particular family the greatest sense of purpose. And so we probably raise that with our clients in terms of having conversations a lot around responsibilities and the responsibility that uh, comes with having a reasonable amount of wealth. And so that then flows into the whole education piece for the next generation. And we would try to focus as well on the story for the next generation as to how the wealth actually came to be in the family in the first place. Sometimes the older generation's a bit more, say, reserved or, or humble, really, and they don't always share, like, all of the sacrifices that might have been made by them in order to get the family in the position that they are. So I think once that story is shared and people are a bit more educated, then they're kind of more willing to be really good stewards and to take responsibility for their time with it. So, Helena, you mentioned earlier philanthropy and, you know, again, if I go back, you know, five or eight years, PAFs or private ancillary funds were, you know, very popular. Um, what are your thoughts on philanthropy and giving now? I mean, I think it's it's just as important now, you know, and I think it's really around, you know, helping clients to understand what their financial position is and their financial position might be over the longer term so that they can understand whether they actually have enough money to be able to give and to, you know, to set up things like PATHs, you know, with a purpose and structure around it. And it's it's really around that intergenerational conversation. Certainly when I've set up PATHs, it's, you know, no matter how young the children are, you know, any child that's sort of 10 years and above really should be involved in some of the decisions that are being made around the gifting of the, you know, the income of the path and where that, that should go and should be sitting around as, as a part of that sort of investment committee. So it, to me, yeah, giving is fundamentally important. And even, you know, for, for the clients that don't have that money to physically be able to, you know, put a significant, you know, half a million dollars or whatever into, into a PAF or thereabouts or a charitable fund, often it's also about giving of time. So it might be that they can achieve better work-life balance and they can go and spend a day a week working in the local op shop to help their own community. So it's finding out what, makes people tick or even you know younger clients that are in their 40s and 50s 
you know, it might be being a coach of their kids' soccer team, you know, and, and being there for training and being there on the weekends. You know, there's all forms of giving and, you know, sort of teaching all the generations of the family, um, you know, what money or wealth as an enabler can, can you know, a- enable them to do. And I think you're really right. I, my observation is particularly with kids or young people, there's a, a, a much greater social awareness, I think, these days than when I was their age. <laughs> and, so, and, you know, that can only be a good thing. So, you know, I, that's something I certainly would love to see continue. So what's one thing our listeners can do right now to help their themselves, their families, their businesses financially in the long run? The easiest, simplest thing to do, I, I think, would be to pull up their super statement and have a look at where it's invested and have a conversation with one of us, with a local planner, to, to understand whether that's the right place for their money to be invested. And Dom? Yeah, so for the business owners out there, I would think um, COVID has really given everyone a good opportunity to do a proper risk assessment on their business. I know it probably, it, it certainly brought that to mind for a number of people I've come across. And, um, you know, that could be something as, as simple as reassessing, well, how much cash needs to be around um, to get through unusual times. And then on the personal side, I'd, I'd probably certainly hope that anyone who doesn't have their investments quite well structured to ride through fair weather or foul weather situations and that's really where they need to start and that would be the uh, the advice I'd give them. And I think from a business owner's perspective, I, I think that, right, as you say, you know, we're in COVID times, but a lot of things have been quite fluid. You know, business is a, you know, buzzword was pivoting for a while and, you know, things have been quite dynamic, if you like, and, you know, the employment situation for employers has changed quite dramatically and, and there's been, a, so there's been quite a lot of change mm. and, you know, in terms of people understanding better their, you know, if they're in business, what their insurance policies are actually doing and doing a review of those sorts of things, it's just vitally important. And as you say, I think that, you know, with people not commuting as much as they were potentially, then there's there's more time where you can just reflect on and really think into the things that are important to you and take this time as, you know, a, an opportunity to set yourself up for the future and what that, you know, looks like for you. So where can our listeners find you online or do you have any go-to resources that you'd like to offer our listeners today, Helena and Dom? So look, probably the best place to find me is on our website. So that's shoe group, S-C-H-U-H, group.com.au and we've got a reasonable amount of material there um, for anyone who's interested and then also our contact details so that'll be the best place to to reach out to us and helena so same uh website it's uh www.your your family cfo so chief financial officer so it's your family cfo.melbourne there's all sorts of resources on there but to me the best way to get in touch is really to pick up the phone or to send an email and just to have a conversation connect via zoom <laughs> yeah, connect via zoom i mean there's you know a, a 15 minute half hour conversation is a worthwhile investment of anyone's time yeah absolutely so if you need a financial advisor in dom or helena's part of the world feel free to give them a call and reach out to them You'll definitely receive unbiased advice that's tailored to your needs as you would if you contact me. So thanks for joining us today and thank you, 
uh, Helena and Dom. It's been a real pleasure to have you as my guests and you've shared a great deal of insight. I'm pretty sure that our listeners will have a much better idea of, you know, what financial advice is and how it can help them and, you know, those things that are about more than money. So thank you. If you'd like more information about Finesse Financial Advisors, please go to our website, www.finesseadvisors.com. And if you'd like an obligation-free discovery session with me, you can book on our website too. Again, that's www.finesseadvisors.com. We'll drop all the contact details in the show notes, but feel free to email us at admin at finesseadvisors.com if you'd like to leave us any feedback. That brings us to a close today. Until next time, bye for now. Hope you enjoyed the show today and have some action steps you can take right now to get control of your money. Join me, Janine Wilson, next time for Finesse Your Money. Meantime, head to my website, www.finesseadvisors.com or email me at admin at finesseadvisors.com to claim a gift voucher for a discovery session with me valued at $150. Make sure you put gift voucher in the headline. <music>